This is the Complete Golf Athlete Podcast. Welcome to the Complete Golf Athlete Podcast, hosted by Alex Goodwin and James Wiltshire. Each week, we discuss key trends in the golf industry, strength training, and golf, and recap golf news as we see it. We will also be hosting guests and getting more insight into their experience and perspective with golf. Welcome to the show. This week, as usual, we have a lot to talk about. Um, why do golfers hate strength training? Is there a problem with YouTube golf and the 2020 majors, most spe- specifically the masters, because everyone wants to watch that. And also at the end, we're going to get into some updates about the complete golf athlete launch um, and some delays in the UK with gym opening. How are you doing, James? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? I'm doing well. How's the golf going? Uh, yeah, golf is going okay. Got a few big things coming up this weekend, so we shall see. Uh, what about you? Yeah, not too bad, man. I'm actually uh, playing this afternoon. I have the oh, day yeah. off because it's July 4th tomorrow, so I'm enjoying it and making the most of it. <laughs> <laughs> what does that entail for you, then? Are you just going to go out and get hammered? Yeah, no, not get hammered. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Um, yeah, for me, just uh, playing golf and, and working, using the three-day weekend to be productive. But um, I was meant to be playing in a, in a money match on Saturday, but I actually got booted from that because they ran out of tee times. There were so many people trying to play. Um, so it's kind of upsetting, but I'm hoping that I play decently today so that would kind of compensate. Yeah, fair enough. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> um, I, I hear you have some big rounds coming up. Are you feeling good about your game and stuff like that? Uh, well, it's, it's, I don't know. It's interesting. I've I sort of had a playing lesson last night with my coach, um, and my game was just in a funny place, to be honest. Um, but I think that's just because I've been guilty of just getting ridiculously like technique focused um, and not making enough, not hitting enough actual golf shots on the driving range. I've just, you know, Ryan's told me to split my practice. Like half of the session should be technical, half of it should be. Uh, we do this rope thing where you you basically right. get a rope that's like a few meters long or as long as possible. You put it from the ball towards the target. Um, and we do this thing where we try and hit cuts where it starts left of the rope and doesn't cross the rope and draws the other way. Um, and to just do that and record it. But I've been guilty of just going technique crazy. And then when I got onto the golf course, I was like, well, what do I do now? So uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, today I'm going to go to the range and hit a lot of golf balls and just work on ball flight interesting do you um so you go to the range a lot obviously but do you do you play a lot would you say you play like three or four times a week or it's more like one no, or two i don't play enough because I'm, I'm attached to a driving range so i'm not attached to a golf course right which right makes it a bit harder i mean i tend to play when i'm filming content um which is you know serious serious enough and obviously there is pressure on when you're playing on youtube because you want to play well um and and tournaments i need to, i need to find somewhere so i can play regularly as much as you would be good <laughs> yeah yeah for sure like just getting in like nine holes every now and then and, and stuff like that yeah. i feel like it really does make a difference 100 percent. you don't want to be a, a a range monkey and just it's just not good for your golf game at all no i mean i feel that i've definitely been going like to the range five days out of the week and then playing like on the sixth day and I think that it it feels 
getting on the course is a, a very different thing right and I think you have to be yeah. able to just like step back from the technique and all of that stuff and and just like focus on actually playing and just being you know being the best golfer you can be in that moment versus trying to be the best golfer ever right I think it's like it's a different thing when you're on the course you're just like you have to work with what where your game is at and just make the best of it you do and in order to know you've got to sort of like know where your game's at before you get into a competitive scenario as well yeah. um and you don't know where your game's at if you're just whacking balls on the driving range that's for sure no that's true you can hit it well but score terribly it's yeah very easy and you, to can, do. You, can, you can just be two completely different golfers on the driving range you can you can as soon as the your technique or you've been working on gets under pressure everything starts to show you're not in a routine of just smashing balls um so yeah on the golf course is where it's at no for sure you got to have that repeatability i think it's really interesting um, that actually kind of leads us well into uh, our first topic, which is why golfers hate strength training. So obviously we know that one of the things that most golfers struggle with the most is actually like practicing. Do you think in, in your opinion, like uh, a lot of golfers, specifically people that you work with, they're more focused on that playing aspect and the enjoyment side of things versus doing the actual work to improve, improve their golf? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really tough one with, um, when, you, when you're coaching someone, especially if they've got a lot of tournaments or competitions they want to play in or they haven't got much time to practice, you've got to kind of work that out with them and plan, um, know how much time they have to practice and factor that in. Because, I mean, if they can only hit golf balls like once a week and they only work on their swing once a week, um, the changes that you're going to be able to make aren't great. You know, um, it's going to take a long time to, to make changes. You can't just like, completely change someone's techniques and when they take it to the golf course they're just gonna hit it awful and then they're gonna struggle and then they're gonna be like oh let's just go back to the old way which is what you hear so much of um it is a battle for sure so when when you're working with someone that maybe has more limited time or they you know they're less willing to put time towards it do you think that you maybe work on less things at a time like you maybe make one change instead of three yeah, definitely. I always like to not chuck in too much at once anyway. always like to give someone um, like almost like basically one thing that they're going to change or two things they're going to change um, and give them lots of drills and like feels to change that um, rather than just this is the position you need to get in, go do it, like more like drills and, and feels. And then they can sort of take that to the golf course rather than, you know, um, set positions and swing thoughts. Yeah, but, um, yeah. yeah. If someone's not got much time, it's it, you. You take it down to one thing that they could think about, but then you also like manage their way onto the golf course and say, right, from the golf course, in your pre-shot routine, I want you to get this feeling. But then when you go in, I want you to do this. Blah blah blah. No, that makes <clears throat> that makes a lot of sense. Do you think that um, the time aspect? Then do you think that that same uh, thing is what is causing people to maybe be adverse to the idea that there's this whole other side to getting better at golf that is outside of doing that practice and being on the course you know having to go to the gym and maybe focus yeah. more on your nutrition and that kind of thing do you think that that is a time limited thing or do you think that it's more of like a choice limited thing you know you just don't want to do it um i think for decent players it's almost like a choice limited thing um, and maybe a lack of information and just the, I don't know, I guess, like we said before, golf's changing and a lot 
more golfers are getting into like athletic, athletic um, style training programs where right. you know you're lifting weights, etc. Um, so it's almost the norm. But if you went back a few years ago, um, a team of golfers like one of them may lift, and the others are just they're not like it's not in front of them. So maybe that's the reason that that they're not doing it as well. Um, but I'd say yeah, it's probably I guess it's a time thing because. A decent strength program. I mean, ours, is, ours, our sessions are going to take between an hour and two hours, aren't they? Right. And it's quite a bit. Of, it's quite a bit of time to be invested. Yeah. And do you think that there's a certain point that you have to get to first with your golf that maybe makes that more like relatable? I guess. Like, do you think it's like you get to a scratch handicap and you're like, if I want to get better, then this is this makes more sense? Or do you think it? It's just, it can come in at any point. It's just a matter of how badly you want to get better. Yeah, I think it just comes in at any point. There's not like a limit. It's not like I'm scratch and I want to push on. So let's look at every single thing I can do. You should just be thinking of, excuse me, thinking of that from the beginning, to be honest. Um, and I think that is where the general consensus is going to be for, for anyone that wants to get better at golf, especially now. But they've seen that it works um, without yeah. mentioning that guy again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you're, you're totally right. And I think uh, I saw something yesterday from, I think, Super Speed Golf. And they posted up that they had done basically the, oh, I think the article might have been from Golf Digest. Maybe they were reposting it because he had included overspeed training. But anyway, the point is the article was about this guy that had, over the past several months, basically done the Bryson experiment. So he had just like, uh, put on a bunch of weight, like worked on uh, lifting weights and done and did the overspeed training, exactly the same kind of uh, program and modalities as what Bryson has been doing. Um, and he gained something like 12 miles an hour of, uh, of ball speed and like 20, 30 yards of distance. Like it was a pretty good progression. Uh, he went yeah. from like 260 to 290. And, but, you know, I, I looked at the post, I read kind of the summary. It was really interesting. And I was like, of course this works, right? Like, you know, you look at this even remotely logical, logically, it makes total sense. You're doing more work, therefore you're inevitably gonna get more results, even if it's, you know, not a huge payout. But the thing that struck yeah. me was that all of the comments were like, Tiger Woods already tried this, it doesn't work we don't need to strength train to get better just practice it's like every single comment was just disgracing it without actually listening to what uh you know reading it listening to it and absorbing it instead they just want to uh dissent on it do you think that it is a cultural issue that is existing like within the golf community where strength training is just you know it's seen as this external thing or at least it has been um, yeah. and people are just so adverse to it yeah 100 percent um, you've seen how much of a fuss it's kicked out recently just the fact that there's a golfer on the PJ Tour that's got bigger and stronger it's like what is going on like what, <laughs> what is this guy doing it's just like well that's what every other sport that's what every other sportsman does they train their bodies for their sport to improve but with golf it's only been recently that that's been sort of a thing um, I guess you could take it back and you could say that yeah there were golfers in the past that have, that have trained physically like gary player um yeah. who always like maintained great physical fitness but uh, and and to be fair to him he um he actually used to squat and he used to he used to do um, powerlifting movements so right. that's great and and one thing that you you gotta see from that is he's like in his 80s right now 
and he oh. is still unbelievable. Yeah. People say, oh yeah, you know, you shouldn't train more, more chance of more chance of injury. That'd be the argument. It'd be like, oh, well, they're you know they're going to damage their bodies. <laughs> their then their bodies aren't going to last. It's like that is how you last is by continuing to train. It's like old people as soon as they as soon as they stop, as soon as they feel like they're retiring, they just start to wither away. Um, yeah. So yeah. no like you're 150% right you know like there is a big argument to be made that you know especially with the aging thing right like you need to have a purpose in order to keep going to wake up every morning and to stay positive in your life you know a lot of you know that inevitably is just going to breed depression and just sadness because you don't have anything to keep you going um and with strength it's, it's kind of the same thing right like if you don't continue to uh, give your body a reason to wake up and to take action and to work hard and repair itself um, by creating those micro tears, by doing the damage, by working yourself out and pushing yourself, then your body is going to have no reason to keep going. Um, actually, I was lucky enough to meet Gary Player a while ago, really? but the dude is like shredded, you know, like he's yeah. not a tall guy, but like he is, and you can tell like he works out and he moves around like he's like 25. You know, and, right. and it makes total sense because he does like all those sit-ups and push-ups and all that stuff. You know, it's yeah. like even if you're doing really simple movements, you know, as long as you're doing something consistently and it's always getting harder, then you're obviously just going to get better. Yeah, he's amazing. He literally put most 30 or 40-year-olds, like most of the population of 30 or 40-year-olds, he would put them to Jane. He literally oh, would. 100%. Which is amazing. 100%. I love that. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think it's interesting, though, because, you know, like you said, he was he's always been kind of perceived as being weird or like uh, like a zealot, right? Because he, he he's so consistent about working out and he's obsessed with it. And he did all yeah. the stuff that other people said was bad. But it's like he's literally the model of what golf strength training should be. You know, it's like what he does is very minimal. And obviously, you know, we can progress from there. But that's just like a very good starting point. And that's what everyone should be doing at the very least, like 50 sit-ups, yeah. push-ups, uh, uh, whatever a day. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because you go like kind of from that point into what golf has kind of accepted as a strength training model, which is uh, TPI. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I mean, I have a lot to say about it, but I know you do too. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so I guess TPI's been around for, I don't know how long it's been around for, maybe like 15 years, would that be about right? right. It's sort of like after Tigers came along, we introduced fitness, and then I think they kind of latched onto it a bit, and golf fitness was talked about and all that stuff, um, and they sort of got in first and were the, I guess, the, the guys that you know led the way for, and, and sort of like the answer for a while, if you want to be, you know, golf fit, if you want to train for golf, TPI, that's the, that was, that was the answer apparently. Um, and some of that stuff, the, the screening, um, the screening system that they have, um, is brilliant. And I, I, I like that stuff. Just screening in general, screening golfers is really good. Um, and it's good to know people's like in, um, insufficiencies in certain areas of their body. So you can, you can work on that, but, there, there isn't like a, you know, they don't really go anywhere from that. You know, it's like the screening's great and it can give you some decent um, core stability things and pieces like that. Um, yeah. But then 
if you actually want to go and put on a serious amount of club head speed and ball speed, that there, there's no option within TPI. No, for sure. What, what are your thoughts? No, I, I agree. I think the screening thing is great. There was a study uh, about three years ago, and it was like TPI in uh, some university in the north of the US. Um, and basically, they found that those movement limitations um, that were identified in the screening, such as like butt wink in the overhead squat or a lack of balance in the single leg deadlift, um, they actually played out in the golf swing. So you would see yeah. someone with a, you know, a limited overhead squat, for example, they might have severe early hip extension uh, in the golf swing, and that's going to cause a lot of problems. So they were basically able to demonstrate that uh, mobility is significantly linked to flaws in the golf swing. But you're yeah. totally right about not taking it far enough because that's just one aspect of it. Um, I think that TPI is heavily, heavily focused on mobility and in the most basic sense, uh, stability. But again, they just, they don't go anywhere near far enough. Like using a TRX to do a Bulgarian split squat, um, it's, it's a good thing to be doing. Everyone should be doing that. But using, but doing that same movement with like 150 pound dumbbells or 50 kilo dumbbells, right? That's a big difference because at that point you're actually building muscle building stability and improving your balance. With a lot of the TPI stuff, it's literally just one of those things. And I think that's good and it's a good way to warm up for golf and prepare to play and everyone should be doing that at the bare minimum. But it just doesn't go anywhere near as far as it could go to actually effectively prevent injury. You know, just yeah. only stretching or only doing mobility is going to help to lengthen your muscles, right? You're going to be able to go through a, a longer range of, range of motion, but it's not uh, preventing those muscles from tearing significantly. It's not preventing you from getting injured. It's just helping you feel better while you play. And it's reducing some of the, the very basic minimal risks. But if you go that 20, 30, 40% further, you get the benefit of getting stronger, which will help you to create more speed. And then actually being able to stay safe in all of the positions that you're in, in the golf swing. Yeah, for sure. So without like sounding like we're blowing smoke up our ass, um, <laughs> I'm gonna. So that's pretty much their, their starting point. The mobility stuff is is what we've got in our program. I want to let you explain. I don't want it to sound like an ad, but I just want to let you explain sort of like what we're about for people that don't know. As in, yeah, we have mobility as a start, and we have screening, but then it goes right. on to you know this and this and this. So I'll let you take the lead. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, so basically. Our approach is, is, like I said, it's pretty similar in the initial stage to what they've done, right? They created a screening system that is able to assess your limitations in the most acute sense. So we've done a similar thing, but we've enabled it to be an at-home screening thing by creating a scoring system. And basically what the scoring system does is by performing all of the movements that we outline in our screening system, you're able to assess your mobility limitations in shoulder rotation, uh, back uh, back um, pivoting, like I forget even what the word is, but anyway, and your hamstring mobility. So you're able to assess basically your your, um, your core mobility limitations. And that enables us to provide you with a mobility program that is reflective of your needs uh, to improve, right? And so this is all done automatically within the program, making it very easy to set up. You put in your scores and then you're gonna get uh, a mobility program that fits your needs, right? Which initially is very helpful instead of doing generic stuff. Um, so from that point, we then move into the actual training program. So that's again, customized around your strength level. So we have a strength assessment in the uh, screening and then combining that with the mobility, uh, it produces another score, which tells us what program uh, you should be on, right? And so essentially 
that populates a program with movements that are relevant for your level. Um, and then from that point, it auto progresses. Um, we use the powerlifting movements to drive uh, hypertrophy and get you stronger um, and get you more stable under, under load, which is obviously going to be very important in the golf swing. But then we combine that with supplemental movements. So we do, again, a lot of the stuff that TPI is doing. They do a lot of work with kettlebells, dumbbells, um, that kind of thing, isolation work. Um, so we really embrace that aspect of it too, because we see the value of that in terms of strengthening muscles that maybe don't get enough attention. Um, and so we also, uh, yeah, we make sure that we use that to balance everything out. Um, and it basically produces a really solidified program. And then from that point, we take it another step further uh, by adding in the overspeed training. We have uh, our own custom program that we created for that. Um, while that doesn't auto progress, it does give you a good basis point to pursue overspeed training um, and gives you a pretty easy to do program that will work well alongside of strength training. Um, and we know that all of this is, is viable because of the research that we've done. Um, there are over like 16 to 18 studies that support um, the elements within, within our program. And so we've combined that with, you know, some of the leading ideology coming out of the golf fitness and sports specific industry and, you know, the powerlifting comprehension and all the studies that are going into that. Um, and we've created this program that is going to give you the benefits of, of all aspects of strength, training, mobility, and overspeed. Um, and we've thrown in some good benefits as well in there to make things uh, you know, easy and really give you the rounded out, complete golf athlete experience. See, I, knew you could articulate, I, I knew you could articulate it better than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, was, I got a little bit long there, but yeah, no, it's, it's definitely interesting to touch on. Yeah, for sure. No, that's great. So, it, it, like, I mean, like you just said, it's it's not just the base level approach or a certain aspect of each thing which we think is important. It's the whole package in one, which is why we call it complete golf athlete. No, hundred percent. And I think it, it kind of goes back to the whole way we started this conversation today. Like, it's if you want to be really, really good at something, you have to be willing to do things that other people won't do. And I think that's applicable at every level, right? It doesn't matter if you're an 18 handicapper. If you really want to be a nine handicapper uh, and you care about the way you look and you care about the way you feel and you care about being healthy, then it makes complete sense to get in the gym and train. Uh, even if you don't do our program and you just do some sit-ups every day and some push-ups, it's way, way better than doing absolutely nothing at all. And I think the the willing ignorance to strength training in, in the golf industry is really something that's holding the sport back in a lot of ways. You know, you look at all the guys in the top 10, well, maybe not all of them, but a good majority of them are strength training and a good majority of the ones that are, are able to stay healthy for a longer time. Um, you see, you've really seen like the rise of Peloton and the PJ tour, you know, where all those guys like Rory McIlroy were doing that during the quarantine. And I think that's really like the opposite direction, you know, doing cardio is good, but it's not giving you any real injury prevention benefits. If anything, it's, it's significantly increasing your risk without any real major benefits and increasing your fatigue a lot too, uh, in a way that strength training really just doesn't. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's interesting because the, the whole injury prevention thing, a lot of a lot of the thought about Tiger and the reason he was injured was because, you know, he lifted too much and um, he lifted too early, all that stuff. You've heard it all before. Um, yeah. But in fact, the reason, I mean, you've touched on it. I think you, you told me, I mean, we all know it's the fact that he was running like eight miles a day or something. That's, <laughs> right. that, that's, what, that's what will do your knee, not like squatting, you know, five sets of six reps. That that's yeah. that's gonna really strengthen your your joints, your ligaments, 
obviously your muscles um, and your central nervous system. But yeah, doing eight miles a day on the road, that's, uh, that's only going to deteriorate your, your joints. Yeah, I mean, for real, man. Like, you look at a squat, it's actually not hard, but it's pretty hard to injure yourself when you squat. Unless you use, like, really bad technique and you're consistently using too much weight, you know, that's how you injure yourself. But if you use yeah. a sensible amount of weight with a well-structured program and good technique, you, it's very unlikely that you'll get hurt unless you just start slapping the weight on. But you, you just consistently run. You know, it's such a difficult thing for your body to do on a road. You know, like if you go run on a soft grass field and you have the world's best trainers and, you know, rest for six hours after every run and do the perfect amount of mobility and you also strength train, like, yeah, you probably won't hurt yourself running. But if you're running strength training and playing golf, trying to push yourself in all of those facets, like, of course, you're going to get injured. It's, it's kind of an inevitability at that point. Literally. Literally. <laughs> It's yeah, it's interesting. I just, I want people to have an open mind about it. I think it doesn't necessarily have to be something you commit your life to, but just try it. Like do the, the three or six month experiment, you know, buy one program, do it, see how it goes. If you don't like it, like don't have to keep doing it. But if you do find benefit from it, then it's something that, and it's something you will find benefit from, you know, and you can commit to it in the long term. it's going to have such huge payoffs. Um, you know, we've all seen that Bryson has just transformed and his golf has got so much better, like literally 100% better. He's gone up 10 places in the rankings. Um, all of his stats have got better. It's not a coincidence. Like he's been doing all of this training, like, and his program isn't that great, but he's been doing right. all of that and, and he's got better, right? So I think that's yeah. something we can all learn from. And even if it's just an experiment, it is a good experiment to do. For sure. Yeah, he had, he had another tear up yesterday shooting oh really six under first round but he hit some obscene golf balls like clocked one at 196 mile an hour that's nice which is fast for a pj tour player that's trying to keep it play <laughs> but he's actually like hitting fairways it's it's a joke what he's doing that with his with his funky technique it's uh very interesting yeah no it, it is i think that deadly uh, distance and accuracy combo is, is pretty it's pretty mean, man. And I think you can play some really good golf when you can hit it like that. He's still got some room to to improve with um, from his play, you know, from around the green to a hundred yards. He's still you can see when he when he's playing, he's not capitalizing enough on being three hundred and eighty yards in the fairway and leaving himself sixty <laughs> yards. But yeah. I mean, it's at the moment the way he's driving the golf ball, how long and straight it's going. It's hard for him to not play well because no, he puts. So it's just like, well, now I've just got to knock this, you know, within fifteen foot, and I'll make like six birdies today. So, <laughs> do you Crazy think stuff. that? Um, do you think that, like, when you were doing the long drive stuff, like when when you were doing long drive, when you played, did you ever feel like that, or did you feel like you you were just too far out of control to be able to like keep it in play? Yeah, too far out of control completely. I just, I sort of made the mistake of, I think, trying to alter my technique way too much in the, into the extremes because I had a golf swing before and I feel like I should have just pushed my strength training more and just been more patient with it um, and allowed myself a couple years to get into a really good spot where I was quick um, rather than trying to maximize everything by the extremes so I was trying to strength train but also I changed my technique so much I tried to get my hands 
the highest possible bit spot, tried to lengthen my arc is uh, to, the, to the complete maximum, um, as much movement as possible. And it just resulted in a golf swing where, you know, two out of eight shots would go straight. But obviously, it's a long drive swing. But Bryson's, yeah. Bryson's improved his technique in a golf, in like a proper golf swing way. So he's like loading behind it well. He's using the floor well. Um, he's staying behind it. He's doing everything he should as a golf swing, but like to maximize power and still gain some control. But he's really focused on getting big and strong, and that's what's really helped him a lot. Right. No, I, it makes total sense. Yeah, I think um, you definitely had a bit of that Joe Miller swing going on. You know, like he turns yeah. his whole body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Joe's got an interesting action. <laughs> he, he actually doesn't see. I think he takes his eye off the ball completely, like in the backswing. He, he like physically turns like the whole. He's just facing the whole different direction, like at the top of his swing. Yeah. It's yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> and he like produces like one fifty, Un- unreal man. Yeah, he's he's very quick. He's he's a big guy as well. Um, yeah. Obviously, spent a bit of time with him, and he's yeah, he's a big, big guy. And well, not compared to you though to be fair i mean he's like six foot four you're he's short compared to you yeah that's true <laughs> yeah if i could just be as like big as he is though then maybe you know i'd be hitting it a lot further than i do now well i mean you're gonna get on the program right as soon as uh as soon as you can get back into routine yeah no yeah for sure you, you could be the first guy to reach 160 mile an hour in the world <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> you, so you're on track, man. What you know? At one four eight, did you say? One four eight, yeah. One four eight is is insane. Bearing based on the fact that, you know, how long have you been training for long drive? <laughs> um, maybe like four months. Okay, so maybe four, four months. or five months. Four. Now, yeah. And what we what did you start at? You you already swinging in like what low one thirties, weren't you? Yeah, low one thirties. Yeah. And you moved up to one four eight with technique. The crazy thing is, yeah, I guess it was you... all technique, all technique. Yeah. yeah. So you've been training for long drive really all your life because you've been doing, you do, you've competed at a decent level powerlifting. Yeah. Um, so yeah. No, I... Your life, it's just the technique stuff now that you're just waking up the muscles. Right. And movement. No, exactly. But... Like I, I've always had this latent ability, I guess. Like, but I think the biggest problem was just. My golf swing was so bad when I stopped playing golf that when I started playing golf, like just trying to even get back to that point was hard. And like, I've just had to work, grind like a lot just to get to where I am now. Yeah. I can't wait to, to get out to Florida and to do some of the content that I want to do. Because so, by then, yeah. I'm thinking it's going to be early next year, like February. But by then, I mean, I, th- I think you'll be swinging it in the mid 150s. And uh, the. <laughs> The content that we're going to make is going to be funny. It's going to be insane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I've in the last like month, I I cracked a driver shaft, and then earlier this week, I uh, exploded my three wood, um, <laughs> just hitting that. So like, yeah, my speed is just like it's yeah, it's getting up there a lot. I've, I've definitely come a long way. I, I think it's crazy, like being strong going into it, like because I was just swinging so aggressively, like with just horrible technique, like not using the ground at all. My rotation yeah. was terrible. I was just slamming my hip forward instead of like pushing back and rotating. Um, I was coming over the top a lot. My uh, club face control was just horrendous. Um, but in over the course of like the last four months, 
interestingly enough, I've actually spent a lot, a lot of time practicing with my irons, like specifically my forearm and my two iron, because obviously, you know, more difficult to strike uh, correctly, but working with that and just trying to like solidify technique with that and then working up, you know, in speed towards my driver and then into my long drive driver and then really trying to swing fast. It's helped me so much because I'm just working on the club face control, working on swinging reasonably quick and then progressing upwards. Um, you know, like I can hit it 310, 315 with my two iron if I really like swing fast and I get the long drive swing going. So I like, I work up from like 260 to 310 with that and then I'll go into like my through and my driver. But just like that progression and like working up in speed in a very difficult way has kind of helped me a lot um, in terms of solidifying the technique changes and everything like that. Yeah, I mean, now it's just a case of pushing forward with your technique and then you've got the, sorry, just turn it off to uh, silent. And then you've <laughs> got, um, yeah, when, once you've solidified your technique a bit more and then you've got back on the program and you're in a stronger position because you're not, you're, you're like, in, in relative terms to your maximum potential, you're weak right now, aren't you? Oh, incredibly weak, yeah. <laughs> so, I yeah, mean, man. adding like, you know, a hundred kilos to your lifts over the course of a month or whatever, and improving technique. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where, where your speed is. It's going to be mad. Yeah, for sure. I think like I don't know if I'm like going to get back to my full strength, like where I was last year. You know, like capable of doing eight sixty, eight eighty kilo tall. Right, isn't it? Right. Yeah, for sure. I think I've kind of realized. I actually, you know, going back to the the program again, but when I was designing that, I, I was kind of going through it and I was talking to you, obviously getting a lot of your thoughts on it um, and how you train and everything like that. But like just going through doing the long drive training and powerlifting training when I was training five days a week and going to the golf course five days a week, it was really, really, really tough. Like the recovery was just literally impossible. Like I would go from training session to training session and I'd feel terrible. And then that obviously started to carry over into practice. And then you're hitting driver less because you just don't feel good enough to swing as fast as you can. Uh, you can't be consistent with it. So like playing that recovery balance is like a super important thing when we design the program. And I think that that's why I'm excited to get onto doing that and getting consistent with that because I think pulling back a tiny bit for me is gonna be really, really important. Yeah, I think that's something we don't really mention enough or get over enough and we should talk about a bit more is the fact that yeah, we could have added more strength Jerry, more strength days. There are three within the week. Um, yeah. And deadlift, bench press, and squat focused with, um, you know, well well rounded, and you know, you're not getting um, any imbalances. But no, exactly. I mean, it's not the most efficient way. Like if you if you just were competing in a powerlifting competition, you wouldn't lift three times a week. But no. the, I've chipped in with my golf knowledge and experience knowing um you know what it is to train and also try and play golf and that's why we took it down to three days which allows recovery in between um and also allows you to feel like you're not just taxed all the time and you can actually practice which is really important no for sure i i think you were really the missing link in, in making this work right because my perspective I think is valuable, but at the same time, like I never wanted to go, I always wanted to go into sports specific strength training, but I never felt that I had the understanding or the experience to do it. And like you coming from your experience and your background with golf and everything, like it makes total sense that you would understand 
what we need to do and how to move forward you know especially with like coaching and everything like that you know you're big on the mobility side of things and obviously that is very very important for for coaching as you understand so i think like having that perspective you know it's helped me a lot too because i've changed the way i train as a result um and you know i'm going to be doing this program with everyone else um and and following along with it and, and pushing myself through that and i think it's yeah it's just going to be really really good in terms of feeling better every time I train, feeling better every time I play. I think that that stuff makes a big difference. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so we're going to skip our discussion about YouTube golf today and push that to the next episode. Uh, we have just too much to say on that and we don't want to go over today. Uh, but instead, we're going to get into the 2020 majors. Um, so are you excited, James? Are you excited to see some real golf? Yes. Yes, I am. I'm excited to see them play. It's a real shame that the 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 open as it should be named isn't actually going ahead <laughs> this year um but for one reason or another they decided that they can you know fit it in with all the qualifying that takes place all over the world i guess that's probably something to do with it they wanted to keep it inclusive of being an, an open um so maybe that was something to do with their decision but the americans <laughs> They, they've gone ahead with all their majors, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> They're not sensible at all. <laughs> what virus, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to, um, I mean, I, let's just hope that it doesn't, it doesn't come back and spike and this, it won't ruin these major plans, but I'm just really looking forward to watching the Masters. Uh, and I think it'd be interesting in November. Um, I think it will play. I don't think it will play as differently as we've seen it um, in the as past. As, pe- as people are going to to make out, they're saying, "Oh, it's going to be really wet, and it would be playing really different." But mind you, I don't know the local weather in Augusta, but surely April and November they're not that different. Or am I completely wrong? No, I think you're pretty right. I mean, I've been to Georgia a few times. Um, and it's pretty pretty cold in the spring and it's pretty cold in the winter. I mean, you know, yeah. and I mean, when is it? November. I mean, early November, that's really just autumn. I mean, it, I can't imagine it would be that different. Like maybe a little bit more rain. Um, but I mean, I've watched Masters tournaments where it's rained like the whole time. I, I don't think that's necessarily unusual. I think people just want it to be different. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, it, it could be like, yeah, like you said, we, we've watched the, the Masters when it's baked out and 40 degrees and we've watched it when it's been raining and miserable the whole time. So in November, you never know, we could get a heat wave and it could be one of those, you, you just never know until it, until it gets there, but either way, oh, absolutely. What, 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 which major are you looking forward to? I, I would say the masters, but also the PGA championship, mainly because I think it'll be really interesting to see a major without any fans, um, which yeah. is their current plan for that. And also, like, just mid-summer major golf, you know, I feel like the course is just going to be incredibly dry. uh, And it could be, like, one... I just really like the high-scoring events, and I'm hoping that that's what happens. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, it's not that far away now, is it? Being 6th to the 9th of August, the USPG. At TPC Harding, it's a golf course that I'm not familiar with. It's like a municipal course in San Francisco. Really? Uh, interesting. Yeah. So it's interesting, actually. They play a lot of their majors in on, like, Muni courses. Um, and I think you can actually play there for, like, $80 or something. 
Oh, it's not bad. I might, I might head out there. <laughs> yeah. How far is that wow. for you? That's, that's quite a way, isn't it? <laughs> quite so a far. way, yeah. It's, it's like a six, six hour flight, I think. Yeah. Six hour flight? Yeah. Man, I guess it is, yeah. Wow. You're going through Other side like, of the country. Three time zones, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah exactly. Time zones in America? Yeah, Eastern Time, Central Time, and uh, Pacific Time. Okay. Yeah, that is um, a bit of a mission to get out there. Um, also, got the US Open at, at Winged Foot. I don't know if you rec- re- recognize that from the past. Is that the two? one where Phil Mickelson had that blow up and then he lost? That's a good question, actually. I'm not sure. Is, is that the one he lost to? Because Jeff Ogilvy won it. I think um, so. Yeah, it sounds about right. Was it? Um, yeah, you you do the research. I just remember Jeff Ogilvy winning that, and that guy hasn't really done anything in golf since. Been a strange one. He was he was amazing for a few years, Jeff Ogilvy. Yeah, he was. Just... Yeah, no, you're 100 percent right. It was uh, the 2006 U.S. Open at Winged Foot, and Jeff Ogilvy beat Phil Mickelson. Oh, is this? The, oh, this is the one where Phil hit it like left isn't it on the is that right was was i may be wrong with this but is colin montgomery involved in this one or not <laughs> don't say that name around here yeah he actually was <laughs> he was what? leading after the first round yeah okay that fat idiot how <laughs> <laughs> bestie oh my gosh no, yeah, he was up there. He was uh, leading off the first round, but he ended up finishing tied second. Uh, actually tied with Phil and Jim Furyk yeah. and Jeff oh, Ogilvy Mon- won. Montgomery completely bottled it. I remember he had yeah, a... Yeah, he double bogeyed the last hole. Yeah, he had a sh- an easy shot in from like 160 yards. I think he was just trying to cut in the little seven iron. He just left it short right in the bunker and then just went tits up. That's crazy. And Mickelson also uh, double bogeyed the last to uh, lose to Jeff Ogilvy. Yeah. That is really sad. Sliced it off the tee, didn't he? Sliced it left, I think. I remember watching that and I remember Jeff Ogilvy winning and not knowing who he was, but being like, this guy is just unbelievably good. <laughs> yeah, he was. An amazing ball striker. He was a quality what player. Happened to him, really cool. I don't know. I have no idea what's happened. I haven't really followed his career since, but. Yeah, strange one. Maybe something happened to him. Here's a quote from Colin Montgomery in the last hole. I switched from a six to a seven. I thought the adrenaline would kick in. I usually hit the ball 10 yards further in that circumstance. I caught it slightly heavy and it went slightly right. It was a poor shot, no question about that. And I put myself in a poor position. Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, he, just, he just chubbed it a, a lot. He <laughs> hit it about 130 yards. Wow. Um, but I think that's happened a few times in the majors with Colin. He's, um, well, to be Europe's sort of like best golfer for a while and to, to not win a major was a bit of a shame. No, for sure. He definitely would have. Pretty... Yeah, sorry. I... Yeah, well, what were you saying? No, I said it definitely would have been good if he, he won a major. You know, he was, like you said, the poster boy for Europe's golf. It was. Uh, it would have been like a Hall of Fame career if he, he he won a major. I mean, I guess he probably still got into the European Tour Hall of Fame, but no, still would have been better. Now he's now he's just a poster boy for Yorkshire puddings. 
<laughs> I like that. <laughs> he should have got on the weights. Oh, man. Yeah, he should have. He, he would have had that extra few yards he needed to hit the seven arm with confidence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All these advertisements today. I love it. Um, yeah. But the thing I like the most about this US Open in 2006 was that the winning score was five over par. I, I love to see a high score. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you saying that, actually. Um, yeah, I, I like a high score, too, especially the US Open, but as long as it's fair. Because there's been a few, like, silly ones where... I remember Poulter, um, and I can't remember the venue, but they got the green so fast, and they put a pin in a silly place. And he's literally chipped it to... <laughs> chipped it to two foot and it's like rolled off of the green um at that point it just gets stupid but yeah as long as as long as it's fair like get the rough up they've got to get the rough up for us opens obviously um savage rough around the greens fairly long um and then you've got a proper us open fast greens but um, i think the, the best the best greens that they play on, on the us open are the ones that aren't so um um, you know, massive terrains that just flatter um, so they can get them really quick. No, for sure. Um, I think the one you're referencing, I don't know if it is the same one, it's 2018. He chipped it on the green and then it just ran straight off at, yeah. um, at some speed. Uh, yeah. But no, I think like, it's it's kind of interesting. I think I was, I was listening to a podcast the other day. Maybe they were talking about the same winged foot where it was the Phil and Jeff Ogilvy thing. Um, but they were saying like that was the year that they lost the greens or maybe it was the subsequent one. But anyway, they lost the greens and they were literally, the greens were so dry. The ball would just pitch on the green and just like bounce three feet up in the air and just like fire off. Like you couldn't hit anything physically into the green because it would just, it, the green was just so solid. They hadn't watered it all week. So they were out there with uh, hoses in between groups. Uh, it's like a well-known story, like unbelievable wow. that they were just watering the course to try and make it somewhat playable. Uh, in the final round. That's, that's unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> I think, like, I like to see that, but at the same time, like, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's better when it's hard but fair. Like, if the rough is three feet long and the greens are small, but, you know, you can hit a shot into it, I think that's fair. Like, hitting from rough that's three feet long into greens that you can't ever stop the ball on, even if you hit it high, I mean, that's just not even, <laughs> that's not even fun anymore. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. Oh, well. Um, yeah, so what's the first one? We've got the USP PGA coming up soon. So that's not too far away, is it? That is in, well, by the time you've listened to this, if you listen to it, it's just gone up about um, four weeks. And we have a yeah. first meet. Um, and it's going to be without fans, too, which is going to be crazy. No. Like the, <laughs> you need to put, <laughs> you need to add in the Wildstone Raiders. You got no friends. You got no friends. Clip. <laughs> All right, I'll add it. <laughs> yeah, please do that. That'll make it for me. Um, cool. I think that's everything chatted about today. We got a lot to talk about in the YouTube golf world, I guess, next week. Yeah, for sure. Um, and just as far as updates for CGA. Uh, we want to get the program out to you guys as soon as possible, uh, but we are waiting on gyms in the UK to reopen. Uh, we just don't think that it is 
worthwhile trying to complete the program um, without having access to a full range of equipment. Uh, you're going to need a significant amount of weight, um, including a decent barbell, uh, some, some weight plates, obviously, some dumbbells, kettlebells, uh, things like that, and some bands too. So if you have all of that stuff, by all means, uh, send us a message and we will get you a program out as soon as possible. Um, but you know, generally, we're just going to wait until gyms in the UK are fully open um, and we feel confident that everyone can do the program to the best of their ability. Um, again, there's just no point in trying to complete the program with just your body weight um, you know, or anything like that. You won't get the same benefits from it at all. Agreed. Yeah, but um, that is everything we have for you guys today. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about YouTube golf as well as many other things. Uh, probably some more about why everyone hates strength training <laughs> but um <laughs> thanks for listening and yeah that's it for me you got anything to add james nope see you next week thank you for listening to the complete golf athlete podcast we'll be back next week with another episode you can find our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts and at completegolfathlete.com in the meantime follow us on social media at complete golf athlete. <laughs>